the show last week was Professor Tim Lynch. I got brilliant reviews from that interview, you know, people within the hospital that I work on and torture me. I'm very impressed, you know, from the brain injury program. I was too impressed as well, you know, really knowledgeable. He delivered it in a, in a very unique way. He's got tons of experience. I loved it and it, it's quite relevant, you know, we have uh, the brain injury or brain awareness week coming up next week. So it was great to get that out. I know firsthand uh, the impacts of brain injury working in the hospital and the brain injury program, you know. And it just gets so much overlooked. If I had a euro for every time I work with somebody that's had a brain injury and they only focus on the physical or their speech, you know, because that's what society does. Having a brain injury or not looking after your brain, it's a silent disability. It's like having a spinal injury, but no one can see it. You know, as long as you can talk and walk and look the same, society will deem you as you're grand, you're normal. You know, and I've had to, to manage those expectations with uh, people in the hospital, you know, family members, friends, work, whatever would say to people, oh, you look and you sound the same because they can't see people's deficits. So, yeah, it was brilliant having them on. And, you know, the more awareness we can raise around uh brain health loving your brain is brilliant brilliant because as i say it's a silent disability just like the mental health just like the brain injury specific injuries you know uh, let's have a look at these things before actually there's a an issue you know look after your brain and you know it'll, it'll really stand to you uh, i know that's a bit probably american and cringy but that's the fucking truth of it you know, it's a blind spot for us. We, we don't give it this respect. Just like sleep, how important sleep is. It's a blind spot. But we give loads of uh, respect to physical activity. Physical activity is important. But sleep is just as equally important, if not more, in in, uh, in my uh, measurements. I, I put sleep up there nearly at the top. Anyway, so that's enough about brain injury or brain health. So we got a loads of response from that. and delighted. So I'm glad people liked it. Uh, my episode today was with pro boxer, elite boxing coach, Packy Collins, uh, brother of the famous Steve Collins. I put the two of them in the same bracket. They're both fucking famous Irish boxing legends, you know. Packy was a pro boxer. Steve was a pro boxer. Now, uh, Packy runs a, an excellent boxing club up there in uh, Blanchetown, the Celtic Warrior uh, gym. So I got the opportunity to go up there and do the interview absolutely cracking it's possibly uh one of the best experiences i've had and why i'd say that and i don't normally explain the the process of the interview but i'm gonna get just to give you an insight to why i found it so special uh, the whole process not just the interview the interview was cracking and you'll get to hear that but it was the whole process that really uh was really special for me so i rocked up to the gym and uh, i got in there and there was about nine people in the in the gym pro boxers all training away every one of them at one stage you know pack included made it a business to say hello acknowledge me we're nice we're genuine i know that's probably alien to people what that's nothing special i i'm having an awful grow with me gym at the moment i train and run i put a few messages on their, their twitter page or their instagram page that they need to work on the customer service I'm in a gym and people don't even lift their head up off their phone sometimes. Sometimes they don't even say hello to customers coming in. I walked into a boxing club which you would perceive as, you know, a tough environment. But every one of those lads didn't know me but said hello, 
acknowledged me. Uh, and it was fucking, it was deadly. It was just a lovely atmosphere to walk in. Now, I'm not just fucking saying that. It was really unique. And I was like, this is fucking deadly. Uh, commercial gyms can learn from this, you know. Uh, I got to meet one of my uh, boxing idols that I loved over the last number of years, uh, Spike O'Sullivan. He was walking by me and said to me that I looked like I was in good nick. He's never met before and he said that. I was like, fucking, that's fucking absolutely sound. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I got a scene, I watched him sparring with uh, Craig, o- Craig O'Born. Or Craig O'Brien. He was sparring away with Craig O'Brien. I was a cracking spar. Uh, watching him uh, training away. It was fucking, it was fantastic. Then I got to talk to this gentleman. We had this profound conversation about spirituality, uh, atheism, uh, life, God, all this kind of stuff. It was brilliant. It was a really deep and meaningful conversation. And I walked out, he's actually Packy's older brother, Michael Collins. And I was like, that's fucking brilliant. So we had a chat and we are hopefully going to get him on the podcast. And then I got to meet the main man. And I just set up and before when I used to do the interviews, I used to go, it has to be a perfect interview. Like I have to set up a certain way plan the hour plan what i'm gonna say do all that kind of stuff but i've got into the habit now of the habit now of i'm just gonna rock whatever happens it'll happen and i'll just go with the flow and i'm not gonna try keep it structured and it must be in a certain format in a certain way i just fucking go at it so packy was like how long do you want to do and i was like an hour and he's like oh i can't really give you an hour and i said whatever half an hour whatever and he was really generous with his time you know uh absolutely sound so i just wait around he was busy with the fires and he says i'll come over and i'll drop in drop out i was like do you know what i don't give a fuck we'll just do it and in fairness to him he looked out his lads and then come over and then we we done the interview and i sat down with him and you, you'll sense that this from the interview when you have a listen to it he creates this atmosphere he creates the gym even when we we're doing the interview people were coming into the gym all of them said hello all of them were sound that's not just by chance that's the ethos of the club. That's the the atmosphere. That's the mood he has set as a coach. And it's brilliant. Like even the way his fighters present the nick that they're in. He creates that. He creates his environment. That's the culture within it. And it was lovely to be around. And hopefully you can you can uh you can sense that from the interview. He's uh he doesn't suffer fools easily, he's not hardcore, he's just either you're into train or you're not, either you're a pro or you're not and that's just the way he is. He's just fucking no bullshit kind of a coach. And it was brilliant. It was a cracking interview. And we, we covered a bit of his own career. We covered what it's like to be a coach and what he looks for, what he does. We, You know, there's, there's lots and lots of it in it. But there's lots of uh, take-home messages. And uh, it's just a, a brilliant gym doing a lot for a community. It's in the middle of uh, Blanchardtown, Cardiff. And it's it seems to be doing a lot for the community and the people coming in and out of it. Uh, uh, have a lot to say about the gym i spoke to people about it and you know it's a really really good gym and and packy was sounding up and I'm, I'm really grateful for his time you know people have been sound with me and uh, as i said i got to meet uh spike o'sullivan he said he'll, he'll do an interview with me he was just lovely we had a chat later on and i got a picture with him and, and then i was talking to craig o'brien he also said he'd come on the podcast so it was absolutely a really wonderful experience wonderful experience so look have a listen to the interview and let us know what you think. Uh, we always love your feedback. As always, thanks to Noel Riley from Rooney Media and Carolyn Harvey from OSA Nutrition. Uh, as always, I'll ask you to mind yourself and be compassionate and understanding. Have a listen to the interview. 
I'll catch you all later. Thanks a lot. On the show today, my special guest is Packy Collins. Packy, what's the crack? Um, well, we're just sitting here in the gym, walking, you know, having a chat in between uh, rounds. So uh, everything's good. In the middle of camp, we're actually coming to the end of the camp for uh, Spike O'Sullivan and Niall Kennedy. They fight in Boston uh, March 16th, which is a week from Saturday. So, uh, you know, when, when you finish a camp injury-free... Do you want to sit inside, maybe? No, so, perfect, sure. yeah. so when you sit inside injury free, or when you sit inside injury free, until we digs ahead, when you finish camp injury free, that's a plus. That's a that's a positive. So um, Stephen Ormond, he fights Saturday. He's just making weight this week. So uh, you know, it, it's good. It's all good. It's all good. You know, our fighters are busy. They're winning. They're getting big fights, and the uh, future's bright. And we've got some new fighters now. You know, maybe coming through the uh, doors of the Celtic Warriors gym. Deadly. Look, guys, I've asked uh, Packy to come on the show today uh, to talk to me. I've always wanted to have a chat with some of the managers and runs an elite boxing club. So, Packy, just give us an insight to, to what it's like to run a club with elite fighters, amateurs, pros, general fitness people. Give us a little insight to what that's like for you. Um, well, when, when I first started out training fighters, like I didn't, I didn't purposely want to become a trainer. I was actually boxing at the time in America. I was living in Boston. And uh, my roommate at the time was big Kevin McBride. And um, Kevin came out to America to finish his, you know, the kind of tail end of his career, out to myself and the Goody Petronelli. So we were became very good friends, and um, you know, myself and Kevin were getting ready for a big fight in uh, Foxwoods Casino. John Duddy was the main event, and about two weeks before the fight, I got a bad cut in my eye, so it put me out of action for a while. But we had been running together, training together, myself and Kev, and uh, he asked me would I continue to help him get ready for this fight, and I did. And uh, he had a good win, and then next he, he was asked to fight Tyson. They agreed to the fight, and then he asked me would I come on board and help train him for the fight, and I absolutely, I said, yeah, sure, no problem. I wasn't becoming a trainer. My career, in my eyes at that time, wasn't finished. I was just injured, so uh, I worked with Kevin. Um, I actually, I ended up living with him. We moved into a hotel for about eight weeks. We actually ended up living in the same room as him because uh, it took, that's what it took in this camp to make him, or to kind of keep an eye on him because he'd, you know, he'd lose, he'd lose a little bit sometimes. He'd go missing. You know, so uh, and then he beat Tyson, and then you know after that, then um, people start calling me up and saying, "Will you have to get ready for fights?" And will you? And you know, a little, like like my background in America, I was actually working full time because out there there's no uh, labour exchange, there's no sponsorship, there's nothing. And uh, if you don't work, you don't live. So I was working full time, I was boxing full time. So in between fights, I was getting injuries. I wasn't making money. Fights were off, so I was losing money. So. All of a sudden, now I had an opportunity to stay in boxing and, and still make money. So, you know, I said, yeah, I'll help people get ready for fights. I'll help people get ready for fights. And uh, it, it just became easy then because maybe maybe working with the likes of Freddie Roach and Goody Petronelli, you know, I, I spent a lot of time with these guys. Like in, in training camps with Freddie, we, we sat and Freddie lived together for probably eight camps. We were like friends, and Freddie at that time, I don't think, I don't think trained anybody, I trained any world champions. I think my brother Steve was his first world champ, and uh, we were close. And I knew Freddie from Boston as well, so we became good friends. Um, you know, and I, I learned a lot from Freddie, and, and the same with Goody Petronelli. You know, trained the great marvelous Marvin Hagler. Uh, Goody was in the gym every night. I was living in America on my own, so I'd never rush from the gym. I'd always hang around, and you know, my, almost every Friday night we'd go for dinner to, to George's Cafe in Brockton in an Italian cafe and George's cafe was, was owned and run by uh, Rocky Marciano's trainer sons because Rocky Marciano was from, was from Brockton and Rocky and Goody Petronelli my trainer were best friends so 
what I, what I picked up from these guys, from Freddie and from uh, from Goody Petronelli, kind of started me off, made it made it easy for me as a trainer because you know what what makes a good trainer. Spike O'Sullivan Spike, just yeah, went by. Yeah, yeah. One, of my fa- one of my favourite Irish boxing fighters at the moment. He's absolutely amazing. Yeah, well, he's not my favourite fighter. He was but about five minutes ago. I can't believe I was over there watching him fucking spar. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm fucking blown and then, away. And then we the big head with Niall Kennedy fights in Boston. You know, Niall is, Niall is ranked top 60 in the world. Yeah. He was to fight, fight the Manny Rock in Philadelphia on Katie Taylor's undercard. The Manny Rock is like a former world amateur champion. And the Manny Rock pulled out a fight four weeks out or five weeks out saying that he wouldn't be ready. And we took the fight, we agreed, and Eddie Hearn, it was all done. So he's, he's, got, he's got to keep busy fighting now in Boston, and then after this, he's going to get to the Manny Rock fight, possibly on the Anthony Joshua card. So oh, there's, there's loads, and then Craig O'Brien. I was Craig watching Craig Spar there a go, brilliant. Yeah, Craig like, we, we've, done it, we've agreed to a deal with uh, Murphy Boxing America. Craig's going to be fighting now in America. Wow. He's going to be promoting it there with the rest of my boys, and uh, w- it'll probably be announced next couple of days that possibly he'll be fighting March towards in America. So, uh, but but we did have an offer for a fight from Golden Boy and from Murphy Boxing for Craig to fight March Torted in um, California on a Golden Golden Boy card. Yeah. It's a really good fight undefeated, and we accepted the fight. And the and the guy that we accepted the fight, his team rejected it, saying that Craig be a little tough for him right now. So, you know, there's there's loads there's loads of big fights coming up. Danny, uh, come here. Just listen to you having a chat over there, and it was something you said just struck me. You were talking about the internet and all. How do you manage the expectations of fighters with the likes of social media, the Sky Sports, the match rooms? You know, how, is you, well, how do you as well, a coach manage that? Well, first of all, when a guy is sparring, he's focused on the sparring, he's focused on his training. When somebody else turns out and says, you see what was on the internet to a fighter while he's sparring, it's bullshit. And that's why I pulled them up straight away. Yeah. Don't, don't talk to fighters about anything on the internet. They, I like that, that was they're impressive. Focused. But, but, and by the way, if they're not focused on the spar, if they're not focused here in the gym on their work, how can they focus on a fight? If it's not put in, in the gym, you cannot expect it to happen on the night. So, you know, the, the, the certain rules we have, like coming into fights, phones off, internet off. Like Spike is like, Spike loves Twitter. And he's very good on Twitter. And he, he bounces a lot of people. He's but he also fucker. knows there's a time and place also. So... Times have changed. I was lucky when I boxed. There was no internet. There was internet, but there was no, uh, there was no Twitter. There was no Facebook. There was no Instagram. There was no, there was none of this. You know, so you'd read the papers about people. That's it. So I never had to concentrate or focus. That's Craig caused more noise over there, but I think I think he's doing this on purpose. But uh, so so you know, Craig, will you toss? Shut up. It's okay, but uh, it's it's it's. Uh, I don't try police my fighters. I I what I do is I just say, listen, they're men, they're grown men. I say, lads, you come to the gym. I will try and get the best out of you. I will try and you know, I, I won't change as a fighter, but I will tidy up certain aspects of your uh, of your boxing and try and make it a better fighter. What happens outside of the gym is down to you. You know, you can go home and you can sit in your ass, you can do your Twitter, or you can go for a run, or you can eat clean. I can maybe even twice a week go get some uh, some some uh, hypnotherapy, sports hypnotherapy, train the mind. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, I, I I I will I will advise people, but I won't try and enforce it. I can't right. enforce it. People go to work and their job is you're a boxing coach, and people perceive yeah you just go in you teach them boxing. But what are the 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 boxer tools that you rely on on being a boxing coach? Well, first of all, this is not my job. This is this is. Uh, it's a profession and it's something that I want to break through and I want to 
you know, make a good living from. And we're getting to that point, you know. I think we're we're right on the uh, brink of, of something big. But I still have to earn money elsewhere. I do other things too, you know, because there's no money in boxing right now. If, if you get the breakthrough fights like Spike did in, in Vegas when he fought David Lemieux, and, you know, at the time at the time when that fight came about, we knew the size difference was going to be huge. And um, it, it was the fight that HBO wanted. I was kind of at the time saying, you know, Spike's a, Spike is a Spike can make during the middleweight. He can, and he's going to fight during the middleweight this next fight. However, he stayed at middleweight because the big fights were at middleweight. But David Lemieux is a super middleweight, and I don't, I still don't know how he made weight on the day when he fought Spike. But when we went to Vegas with Spike on the day of the weigh-in, Spike was drinking water to get himself up to one fifty-nine, one fifty-nine and a half. Okay. In the dressing rooms, about two hours before the fight, HBO came in for the stats, and they asked us, you know. Uh, what a spike weighing now, Granada Scales, he was 161.5, you know, David Lemieux was 179.5, so there was 18 pounds of difference on the night. Um, so, when he landed that shot with Spike, because of that huge weight difference, maybe a, a, a lesser, maybe a, a smaller guy, Spike might have got up and went on to win the fight. And if he went on to win the fight, but then he's into the big, big, big paydays with the Canelos. The Daniel J. No, even the Canelo. Canelo's the money man right now. Yeah. So all of a sudden now, I can, I can say I've made a living from boxing. Yeah. But when he got stopped by Dave Lemieux, it was kind of a, it wasn't a sh- it was a, it was kind of a shock how it happened. But myself and Spike were in the ambulance going to the hospital, and we spoke about you know Spike. We're talking about Junior Middleweight for a long time. We've proved this week in Vegas that you can make Junior Middleweight, and he goes, yeah, sure, let's do it. So straight away we hatched the plan before he even got to the hospital that we're going to come back at Junior Middleweight. He's fought as a junior middleweight already. He's got a fight in Boston, a tough enough fight. Junior middleweight. Golden Boy want a, a decent fight because he won a ranking fight because we're promised the winner of David Lemieux and, uh, sorry, uh, 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 Mungia and uh, Dennis Hogan, the other junior middleweight. So already, like, it's, you know, at that end of it, I can, I can say that, you know, I've, 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 I've earned a living from boxing, but, but I've never actually earned a living from boxing because it's a hard game to make money in. I read that you've done uh, some study psychology in Boston. Yeah. How much yeah. does that uh, come into play when you're coaching? Well, at the time, at the time when I was in Boston, I um, I was living on my own. My wife's in Ireland. We weren't married at the time. I had so much time in my hands. So I, I was always I was always reading books on the mind and since I was probably a kid because um, it does help with boxing. And then I seen a uh, a diploma course came up in a local college. Uh, in the history of psychology, introduction to psychology. So I enrolled and I paid for it and I went and I absolutely loved it. And I actually, I, I, I scored really high in the grades. And then I went on again to do sports psychology and I graded really high in that. And then this year actually I, uh, I, I, I uh, got a diploma in high performance, uh, high performance coaching. Savage. I've actually got my diploma. And it cost a lot of money, but I wanted it because it wasn't just the fact of you know, working in a high-performance environment in sport. This is for, this is for business, professional business, companies, corporate. Yeah. I want to work high-performance uh, one-on-one with team leaders as well. I want to fold on because so, because the mind is, is what I believe is, you know, get 90%, if you're 90% believe you can win and, and 50% physically fit, you win. If you're 90% physically fit and 50% believe you win, you have a very slim chance of winning. So I think the mind has to be right. And my fighters in the gym... You know, I've a lot of good fighters here in the gym right now, but when they first came, they weren't good fighters. I believe they were, but in their own mindset, they didn't believe they were good fighters. So I started training the mind, and 
you know, when, they, when, when I, I, I would always ask her for it, how we felt, how we feel in between rounds. If they give me a negative answer, I'll, I'll answer with a positive answer. And it's kind of affirmations and affirmation, repeat, repeat. So all of a sudden, a year on, when I ask these guys questions, how you feel, they, they always come back with, feel good. I listened to your coach and I listened to you asking those questions while you were yes. coaching there a minute ago. Yes. Fucking absolutely class. This leads me on to my next question. You've been in boxing a long time now and you would have seen where there wasn't any sports science now there is sports science yes. what's your thoughts around that it's a huge impact everyone's uh, sports science strength well, conditioning well, blah blah re- blah really what I think I think there's a lot of people nowadays creating new um, uh, what would you call it new fields in sports for themselves and, and basically you know they're making money and I think a lot of it is a con I do think a lot of it is a con like I hear I hear the word strength and condition and coach being thrown around a lot. I hear it everywhere. So, my background sports science and I'm just scratching my head going, what the fuck? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, what I say to my fighters is, when you go and do strength work, lifting weights, do strength work. Lift weights. Heavy weights become strong. When you do your conditioning training, you come to the gym. Specifically you, for your sport. Specifically for your sport. Condition yourself as a fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and everyone's different. You, you, you go to... You get fired as professional boxers who probably couldn't run a 10k. They don't need to. And you get a 10k runner who probably couldn't come and do six rounds in the, in the gym because we're all specifically trained and conditioned to our own sport. And that's why I, I just say to the lads, like, there's some, there's some lads who come up here you now at the beginning and they'll be tired when they get to the gym. They're, they're kind of, they look drained. And I was like, did you do your weights today? Yeah. What's your deal? Well, we've done a lot of battle ropes, ball slams. And I was like, why? That's not going to make you strong. That's going to burn calories. You know, it'll, it'll stretch the lungs a little, but that will not condition you for boxing. And Great th- show. This is actually something I probably picked up from my brother Stephen. My brother Stephen's a very clever guy, you know, and he ran a lot of his own camps. And even when Freddie Roach started training my brother Steve, Steve kind of said, Freddie, here's what I want. Here's what I want you to do. And Freddie is such an open-minded guy, like myself, he go, yeah, let's work with that. Let's try and improve that. And... and what he did in training camps was he'd have his hard days twice a week, hard days in the gym, hard days doing his weights. So that was his conditioning in the gym and his weights at night. That was his strength and condition. Do you understand? Yeah, and, I, uh, and, I, and I picked that up from Brilliant. And I used that I used that uh, his his technique in all the camps I use, especially for the Tyson, Kevin McBride camp. And it walked the tree. I love the the hand wrapping story that I'll you see, did. Uh, tomorrow. See you towards you know, take care. I love the hand wrapping story you told. Uh, you went in, you were watching Tyson's hands getting wrapped, and you went back yeah. in then to Kevin and said to him, he's in there yes. shaking like fuck. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... it's, it's, it's Funny. It, you wouldn't believe it unless you saw it, but basically we're in the dress rooms, and Kevin's getting his hand wrapped. They came to our room and said, is there somebody wants to go in and watch Tyson get his hand wrapped? And I thought, I will do this because here's an opportunity. I've, I was born into boxing. My father side of family box. My mother side, and it's just something I was born with. It's okay, it's okay. Don't give a fuck. It's just something I was born with, and uh, that's Ray Moles smashing up the bags. Sh- I think he's showing off for, for my benefit. But um, so here's an opportunity to go meet Mike Tyson in his change room. No, I wasn't. I wasn't to be overawed, you know, and steroids because I had a job to do too. So I went in. I knew I've had my hands wrapped a number, number of times. I wrapped hands. I knew how you do them. I know what's illegal, what's not illegal. But one thing they did do twice with Tyson, they ran tape over his right knuckle, his far, his left knuckle, his left side knuckle on his right hand. 
twice around tape and I was like no you have to remove that but he kept trying to put more tape over this so I thought maybe there's an injury there but it dragged on a little but what really dragged on was we got a knock on the door and Muhammad Ali walked in with a camera crew from Showtime and by the way while Tyson's there getting his hands wrapped is, uh, is training at Jeff Fennick like Australian one of the best featherweights I, I've seen like he was around the time Barry McGuigan assuming Nelson he got robbed against Nelson yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. so I was happy to meet Fennick and then Muhammad Ali comes in and the cameras are there and I was like wow this is amazing so uh, this is going on for 10-15 minutes I wasn't in a rush to leave you know, the fight wasn't start for two more hours so I hung on and then I'm walking back to, to the uh, to Kevin's dressing room and I walked in and I looked at Kevin Kevin looked a little down on himself because he's probably thinking you know what I'm going to fight Tyson now two hours away so I thought I'll give him a lift and this is where the training came in when I had been studying psychology, psychology yeah, yeah, I need brilliant. something there to give him a kick you know so I went in and I said Kevin I said you're going to win this fight he goes why what's wrong I said well I, I said the reason why I was so long in there I said because they couldn't wrap Tyson's hands he was shaking his hands are actually shaking in there Kevin he looks out of shape and he just looks nervous and Kevin like really I said yeah and I, I, I mean I must be a good lawyer I was so convinced that he actually stood up he picked up the jar of Vaseline took out a bit in his hand started fixing his hair in the mirror now there was all of a sudden there was this you could feel this energy in the change room so I thought wow you know and then we walked to the dressing room and he grabbed the tricolour and if you look back there's no fighter grabs the tricolours uh, with his gloves on before the fight and start waving it Kevin done this so he was he was up for it um, and, 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 and by the way Kevin is a Kevin McBride's a good fighter you know Kevin just never put the walk in he never put the walk out and it was, it was such a shame that you know these, these, these fights didn't come when he was younger yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he didn't live the life either, and he, he admitted this himself in the papers. But he was a good fighter, and he was tough as nails. And he, he didn't he didn't scare from nobody. You know, he was a brave man, big man. Six seven was he? Six seven. So basically, there was a game plan in place, and the game plan was Tyson's is a lot older. He's got old legs. Kevin's a lot bigger, a lot heavier. When he gets in close to you, Kevin, you put your your chest on his head and just put all your body weight on him. And if you watch the fight, Kevin was throwing shots, but when Tyson was Kevin was lying on him. So all of a sudden, Tyson's trying to hold 22 stone, plus his own weight, on them legs. And it, came, and it worked, and his legs gave in in the end. And, you know, it was, it was a great night. It didn't sink in that night, you know, what had just happened. Absolutely. But uh, I was just happy for Kevin, because I've lived with Kevin for, for so long, and, you know, the Irish in Boston, they love Kevin, but... They didn't give him a chance, and they were like, yeah, you know, yeah. if you can go two, three rounds, Kevin, you'd be great. And yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, they were slagging him and all. I, I was like, you know, something, Kevin, you can actually beat Tyson. You can't beat him. Tyson, fifth, ten years ago, maybe not. Tyson, yeah. now you can beat him. But that just goes to show you. We just talked about a minute ago about sports science, performance, conditioning, in comparison to attitude and perception. Yeah. You know, if you've got the right attitude and the right perception, that fucking outdoes sports science and performance. What do you reckon? Oh, I totally agree with you. I mean. We, we as a nation, you know, they call us the fight nourish, and it's in our, genetically, we, like, we, we fight. It's not that we like to fight, we don't like to fight. We love to go out, sing, have a few beers, you know, that's the old Irish kind of, the picture of an Irishman, sing a few songs, have a dance, and get on with people. And that's what we like to do. But if our back's against the wall, we don't fight, we fight. It's in our nature. And what's happening is now, of late, What's happening of late is, say, the last 10, 20 years, people in Ireland have taken the uh, people in Ireland have taken sports science uh, to a new level. As far as, as the mind is concerned, 
And we are now, we are now trained with our minds. We're saying, you know what? We can be the best. We might be one of the smallest nations. Doesn't, doesn't mean we can't be one of the best nations. I always remember my brother Steve when he beat Chris Poyer winning his first middleweight title. Now, Steve spent most of his career in America. And the gyms in America, everyone, everyone you know, pats each other on the back out there. You know, you compliment each other. Whether you're the worst fighter in the gym, the best fighter in the gym, you look for the positives in everybody. And we, we let them know that. We say, you know what, that was a great move. Or, you know, you're such a hard trainer. We, and that's one of the guys picked up from America. Conscious, so, positive regards. It's not even that. It's it's if you've nothing got to say, say nothing. You know that's that's the school I come from. Yeah, anyway. absolutely. And uh, I always remember brother Steve. You know, he was based in America, and then he came home and he won his first world title against Chris Poya. And then he after the fight at ringside, he says, "You know, who would you like to fight next?" He goes, "Well, I hear Sugar Ray Leonard's making a comeback. Let's make that fight happen." He was talking about all these guys, and he got ripped for that. He got ripped for saying, "I'm a world champion now, and I believe I can beat all these other people." Then he went on to be Chris Eubank, Nigel Men, all these people. And then he actually, imagine, he had, he had the uh, audacity to say that I could beat Roy Jones Jr. And I know for a fact he believed he did. Whether he could beat Roy Jones Jr. or not, who knows? If the fight would have happened, people would have found out. But he believed he could beat Roy Jones Jr. But people knocked him for saying this. People knocked him for believing that he could be great. And that was their kind of mentality. And, and that's changed now. And it's great. And I mean, look at the, the mixed martial arts Conor McGregor and Conor you know as a mixed martial artist says, said things and I remember Conor training here six, seven, six years ago he started first coming here training and there was something different about him I, be, I could feel that kind of uh, that, that energy about him he was very positive and I loved that I picked up on it straight away because and it manifested he said it and he did it and it happened well, well it's like it's like you know, if you believe something, and if you if you want to see something right to the end, and I, I said it to Spike O'Sullivan when he first started with me 11 years ago. Me and Spike together 11 years, and there was the down times, but he had that belief. And I said, Spike, you know, in life, nothing is easy, and nothing worthwhile having is easy. So we're going to have our bad times, you're going to have your good times, your down times, but see this journey out right to the end. And if you see this journey right to the end, whether you become world champion or not, it will change you as a person. And, and you will be successful. And, and being successful is finishing the journey. It's not about... It's, it's the journey itself and, and finishing the journey. It's not about being a world champion. It's about finishing the journey and knowing that, you know, in your, in your retirement years that you give your best shot. And you, and you enjoyed it. And you enjoyed it. And, and that's what I just try to tell these people. And I remember Conor, as I say, getting back to him, coming up here five, six years with training... And I liked him straight away because he knew what he came up here for. He asked me specifically to walk him on this, this, and this. He knew what he was here for. And uh, I liked him. I liked him because he had a focus, he had a goal. And he was willing to put himself out there and say things that other people didn't like him saying because he actually, that's what he believed about himself. And, and I like that. Not just about Connor, but about a lot of people. I, I like people who, who, who are focused and believe that they can achieve. You know, uh, like like their, their 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 goals in their sport, and I like that. And because you're not wasting your time, and there's people come to my gym every day, ask me, will I train them? And ninety percent of the time I say no, because straight away, I know by the whole demeanour that they just up here to do a bit of training. They're not, they, they haven't got that focus, that drive. And I'm not, I'm not going to give up my time and, and my you life. Can smell it, obviously. Oh, of course you can. Of course you can. Intelligence, intelligence is so important in any athlete because, you know. It's very hard to educate somebody if they're not intelligent, first of all. 
but intelligent people come up here and they have it all you know they, they, they have it broke down where they want to be in one year in two years in three years in five years and and, and, and straight away I would say yeah to you if you walked into the gym and say here's where I want to be next year the year after I would say right okay let's start let's start today let's work together today because um, you know it's, it's, it's just it's, it's, it's it could be the, the, the beginning of a great of a great journey but at least we know where we're going we have a direction gotcha a huge part of a boxing is weight cutting and weight management how do you do that how do you do that with your fighters um, well as I say, like I will only work with guys who are intelligent, who have a brain. So it's easy, you know. It, it's easy. He's gonna say some grub, yeah. Just talking about weight cutting now, anyway. But uh, it's easy with, with an intelligent person because you know you eat clean, you eat good foods, and you train hard. Um, sure, you won't have a problem with weight cutting. But it's been synonymous over the years. You see, like I don't want to start naming fighters out. You know, going out of camp, getting putting on tons of weight and then coming back in and struggling I know you always say why the fuck did they do that and I'm looking around here at your fighters and all of yeah. them look in peak condition they're in the gym all the time what I did is that the answer to it absolutely what I took from America was from being the status I, I spent all my time in the gym over there and all the fighters in the, in the gyms in America spend all their time in the gym they stay ready in America it was different over here you might say you're fighting in three months time Guys go missing for a month, go off park, whoever, come back down to the gym for two months. Is that a it, cultural thing, is it? Is that just is it's it an, an Irish, Irish thing? It's an Irish is it just culture. A boxing well, culture or what is it? Um, it, it, it kind of, it, it, for people who stay in Ireland, it's an Irish cultural thing because you might, you know, up until the last couple of years, there might be one show a year in Ireland, maybe two. So for people who are staying here, they're obviously, they're not 100% at that time weren't serious about, you know, really weren't serious about professional boxing. At the time, when I wanted to turn professional, I got on a plane and went to America. You know, my, my, my wife now, who was my girlfriend at the time, I had to leave her behind because she had no visa. I had a visa. Then she got herself a visa, but, you know, I was still going. And she knew this. I was going to America, and that's what I had to do. And at that time, back in the early 90s, it was a lot tougher. You know, there was, very, there was no Wi-Fi and, you know, communication. Um, I arrived over there. I got to know a good guy, Marty Ward, gave me a place to stay. He got me a job. I worked 50, 60 hours a week. And to get my own place, so my wife would come out. She got a visa, so um, that, uh, it was kind of in, it was kind of inbuilt in me that I was always going to stay ready. I wasn't travelling to America to sit around and eat crap food and go to the gym twice a week. It was set in stone that I was going to be at that gym every single day. I was going to give it 100%. And I went to the gym every day, and you always stay ready because you might get off for a fight in two weeks' time. And that, that's how it works in America. So many fights going on. So I tell this to my fighters now. I say, stay ready. Like, I'd say about Niall Kennedy, he was the fight in Philadelphia. It fell through. But we got him switched with another card in Boston. So exactly. stay ready. Just stay be ready, ready. Be ready. It's a short window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very short window. And, and who doesn't want to come to a gym every day and train and you know and, and eat clean and it, it's great for the mind and we've got a great environment here we, we're all friends we all count on each other there's no idiots in this gym we, we don't we don't wear fields I don't wear fields so I wouldn't have them in the gym I don't have negative people in my gym well, your, like at, your attitude uh, just, just bounces off you anyway I just get that I'm yeah, sitting across here so I can just yeah. sense it around the place yeah. I couldn't I couldn't see a fighter coming in here out of shape and, and you intolerate it anyway no it's just no. it's not a good it's not cool you know, the certain fighters will come in and they, they kind of fake it a little. But I figured them out after a couple of days and, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I would never push anyone. 
you know, but I, would, I wouldn't waste my time. Yeah, exactly. They want to come train and tip around the background off and go, I won't waste my time with them because I, I value my time, you know, and it's yeah. something I'm not going to do forever either. You know, I've got other, I've got other loves. I love horse riding. Yeah. I, I, I had to sell my horse a year ago because I hadn't got time to, I used to do a lot of show jumping, eventing, that kind of stuff. Wow. I had to, I had to get rid of it because I didn't have time to do this. Um, I don't get holidays. I might get a holiday once a year at Christmas time when the gym closes. So, you know, the plan was when I finished boxing myself that we'd have more time to live a normal life. Then all of a sudden I became a trainer. So that hasn't happened yet. But, you know, I'd say I'm not going to do it forever, but I want to give it the best shot. I won't, I'd say I won't wear fools. I will tell you, you know, if you want something to train, if there's somebody else to train, I'm not going to waste my time with you. Yeah. And, uh, and what I get out of this, I go home to the gym every night and I, with a smile on my face because these guys around me, these, these, these fighters, and they're my family, and they give me 110% because they know I give them 110%. They trust me. They trust me because in the corner I say, this is what you have to do. And they believe me and they trust me and they go out and do it. And, you know, so far so good anyway. Fantastic. Come here, I was talking to Jules Dalby, Connor's doctor, actually, the yes. doc. And I said it to him. I said about combat sports and MMA, but I don't think boxers or combat sports get enough money for what they do. You know, when you talk about risk yes. versus reward, I work yes. in brain injury rehabilitation, yes. so I know all about rehabilitating brains. Yes. What's your thoughts around that? It needs more money, right? Yeah, you know... I, they I, only I, get a tiny amount. They do. Like, I'm a realist, okay? And I won't turn around and say, well, boxing, and we don't get money, we don't get the, the looking that we deserve. And... I, I'm not going to say that because what it comes down to is this. People talk about RTE. They don't give the boxing coverage. And they probably don't. But there's a reason for this. GAA, rugby, soccer, have lots of money thrown at it for, for advertisement. Lots of money. So RTE is a business too, by the way. They're not a charity. They're a business. So if somebody came along you know, and said all of a sudden, Carlsberg or Guinness, we're going to throw loads of money at boxing. They'd be fighting each other. Virgin... RTE, Sky, they'd all fight each other to put the boxing shows on. But they're not doing this. And they won't do this. And that's why we don't care. And, and, and by the way, television is where the money is. And that's why I've, my fighters did. 90% of them fight in America because America, Americans love boxing. The American TV stations love boxing. And they pay huge money for boxing. You know, my, my, my happiest moment, right? I walked the corner for. Uh, I'd say for Kevin when he fought Tyson and beat Tyson I've been around my brother Steve in the world it's been all this but my, ha- my happiest moment in boxing right now to this day was my fighter Spike we started together and you know we started off with nothing and we worked and everything was on a shoestring with a great uh, sponsor Connell uh, Thomas you know and he's still there great people around us uh, prize fighter whiskey have been great too but my proudest moment in boxing now is after Spike's last fight against Dave Lemieux he went and bought himself a house for himself and his kids and his, his partner. He actually bought himself a house cash. I love it. And he owns his own house now and he's no mortgage and he bought himself a nice Mercedes car and that to me is my greatest achievement in boxing for yeah, him. Because when you're with someone 11 years and, and, the, and they're going through these hard times, he went through a lot of really dark times, oh, hard absolutely. times, but I've done my best to help him through them as much. He helped me through times but it was a journey together that there was ne- he never dealt with me and I never dealt with him you know and even after certain losses Spike had people said you know what maybe that's his limit I says no I says no nah. I know Spike I said like nobody else knows me he knows me and oh my god I was uh, you know after the Lemieux fight we agreed on a pause for that fight anyway 
after the new fight then he, he sent me a photo of a house that he was looking at and then two weeks ago he actually actually only moved into last Saturday in his new home and he's shown me videos of his kids playing the garden and oh my god I was so Savage, happy I was so happy for him no matter what happens from now on I thought, it's just like it doesn't matter now belts mean nothing I said you, you've, okay. you've brilliant, and it? yeah. brilliant and his kids his kids have their own rooms now they were Savage. staying with he was actually living with his mother-in-law and, her. They were, and his kids as well they know where to live and then all of a sudden he's got his own home and I was like yeah. That that makes that makes me proud, you know. Brilliant. Irish boxing is doing really well at the moment. What's your thoughts around the influence of the likes of MTK, Matchroom, BT Sports? They're really uh, putting boxing on the market at the moment. What's your thoughts on that? Um, and as you well, say, not, all not, the not my boxers. No. No, I mean my boxers are, are based out in America, and it's very hard to get a look in. But uh, you know, Sky Sports and BT Sports and these big TV companies, they. Um, they they pay the money so with my, it doesn't make a difference with my boxes boxing Irish boxing is great at the moment and things are picking up and fights all over the world and a lot of Irish fighters are doing really good too and it's great for them you know I'm I, I I'm a, I'm a you know I'm 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 a patriot I love my country and maybe because I went to live in America for almost eighteen years I became so I loved Ireland I loved this country and the reason why I came home I wanted to pass on American knowledge to our, our Irish fighters so we don't have to leave Ireland anymore. And when I look at all these Irish fighters around the world, I, I love watching them. I'm proud. Like young TJ Doheny was a member of our promotional company in America, uh, Morphy Boxing. And we used to stay in the house together. And then TJ is a good kid. And he, he, he's, you know, he's a toughened up times over the last few years. And to see him win the world title was great. Because I know, I know the guy personally. And it, it just it makes me proud for Irish fighters to do so well. So, you know, it's going well at the moment. But uh, we're, we're, we're with Golden Boy. My fight, Spikes with Golden Boy, Morphe Boxing, Niles with Morphe Boxing, possibly Golden Boy in the future. Craig O'Brien, is, is, we've done a deal with Morphe Boxing. And so, uh, you know, it's great what's happening over this side of the world with all these promoters, but it doesn't affect me. And it's, you know, I've got my own stuff going on in America. Because I might, you know, the plan is eventually to maybe open a gym and maybe move to America. Deadly. Keep the two gyms going, you know. You met a, a really famous person in America there last week, or a couple of weeks ago, Zohan. Uh, we met him in. We met him in. Uh, oh, I was breaking bollocks lap when I read that. Nay, yeah, Zohan. Nay, yeah. Well, you know, it's about like his name is Latham was fucking hilarious that you fucking well, said the, Zohan. The, the, the funny thing about it was when we were in we were in Los Angeles, we went out there to stay right beside LA LA Galaxy uh, football club, and um, the lads were talking about this player and that player, Ashley Cole and. I don't really follow football. I maybe all the time I lived in America, I could tell you more about baseball and. Even though I'm not a fan of baseball, I'm yeah. more about baseball, ice hockey and football out there. So, uh, okay, yeah. so we were out there and that's Spike and Craig, big football fans. And they were like, this team. Oh. I said, we're going to go up a train in LA Galaxy in the running tracks over there. Brilliant. Oh, delighted. Maybe we might see this player. And that was it. So put a tweet out that we're out running in LA Galaxy. So a cousin of mine who lives in New Jersey, he works for Quick Goal in America. They supply all the premiership teams in America, all the goalposts, flags, all that. So my cousin John's been doing it for 15 years. He's got great contacts. He said, do you want to go and meet the uh, LA Galaxy footballers? And I was like, yeah, sure. He says, uh, uh, I can, I'll get you introduced to Ibrahimovic and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah, sure. Made no difference to me, yeah. so I said to Spike and Craig, "Do you want to go meet the football team?" And Spike goes, "Seriously," and then Spike says, "You know," he said, "I'm such a big football fan and big Man United fan. If I was to meet uh, Zlatan, as I know his name is now, right? <laughs> if I was to meet Ibrahimovic," he said, "If I was to meet him, 
he said that would probably be the best sporting thing that could happen to me ever but he said I love him and then he started showing me pictures of him and he showed me videos of him when he played against England scored four goals I was, I was getting a bit of a thing about it there you know so that's grand so we're down the ground and uh, we met the, the, the groundsman there cousin, the friend of my cousin brought us in came out with jerseys gave us all jerseys met the manager walked out to the side of the pitch we're actually calling a few other players you know still don't know who any of them were I knew I should call probably from Cheryl Cole you know from being <laughs> on the, the X Factor or whatever that's, that's probably how I knew him you know yeah. so we're walking across and so I stand there and next of all this big guy comes walking across and one of the guys goes, here he is now so I says lads here's Zohan right <laughs> I'm thinking man the hairdress from the movie this. Yeah. oh don't mess the Zohan and the lads like will you shut up you're going to get us thrown out so anyway he came over I went over straight away introduced myself hey doing I'm Packy you know I appreciate you meeting the football my last big football fans and I know you're a big taekwondo fan uh, MMA fan he goes yeah yeah but I just googled that you see I says yeah I've done a bit of taekwondo which I did I learned a bit of taekwondo here through a guy who does so I taught him about different kicks and this and this and this and about boxing and he was actually a real he was an alright guy yeah Spike and Craig at the time were worried meeting him because they never met him but they, he came across as being very obnoxious and arrogant so they were wondering would he be like that but he wasn't he was just—he was just like an ordinary guy. Well, like I, you had, and me. I had thoughts of that coming up here. I says, "I hope Spike is up here. I'd love to meet him." Yeah. I was walking by, and Spike goes to me, "You're in good shape." Yeah. I was like, "What the fuck is he just at the same time?" I was yeah. giggling like a kid. I was yeah, like, "That's yeah. lovely, man." But you know, like even as I say, with Slatan, he's uh, he was just maybe caught him off guard because I threw all these questions at him. He's, he's looking at me, and he's saying, "How does he know so much about me?" But I said, "Google it." And we're having the crack, and we're talking about different things. He was asked about, he was asked about the fight and your opponent and what have you. And but your just, attitude is, he's human, I'm human. Isn't that your oh, attitude you know to what? it? I hate. I don't. I don't. I don't go it. to all these events. You know, all these, you know, these different famous events. And I, I don't. I just like being around my own friends, my family, my friends in the gym. Even when we go away to the boxing, there's always an after fights parties and go to me all these celebs. We don't do that. When we go to Boston. We actually all go for food after the fights. There's a diner Early. called the Victoria Diner in Boston because I know well it's 24 hours. We go there and we eat crap, you know. And that's the one. T- that's our. That's the lads' outlet because I don't of course go to a pub and get locked drunk like the old mentality. That's changed now, my first. So when the fights are over, we go for food. Deadly. You know. So. Packy, I've took up a lot of your time, and we'll wrap it up here. What's the one thing you'd like people to take away after listening to this interview? Um. From this takeaway from here, well, from you, what's from the me, one thing you like people um, to take away? Listen to you. Anything I, 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 well, I tell you what, I would like people to take away. Um, we go to mental health issues. Okay, the amount of people that we've helped in this gym, un, unbeknown to me, this 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 is an open door. It's a professional boxing gym, but it's an open door for anybody to come and train. And the amount of people that come here to train just for their own um, minds, you know, they might have suffered. No, nobody pays coming to this gym. By the way, it's not an actual pay gym you can donate a five if you want it or I might make money from boxing but it's not one of these you know pay and it's a business it's a no it's, it's basically non-profit here do you understand like my brother owns my brother manages this whole shopping centre and we got this gym because of that so there's, there's loads of people here there's fellas who are on drugs the last five six years on, on, on not stronger drugs but smaller drugs like marijuana and stuff they used to talk all the time and try to keep out trouble they're now training up here with us I've got guys from the Kilmine Drugs Task Force come here I've got uh, lots of members of AA come here through people I know 
Um, so it's, it's a community. Like if you come here Tuesday, Thursday nights, there's probably 20, 25 men who are all from similar kind of background. They all help each other. They all rely on each other. And uh, you know, sometimes I might sit in the couch and chat to somebody. They might come up and having a, having a bad day, and I'll sit and chat to them and I'll say to them, "I'm not the answer, but let's try find the answer." And you know, doing the high performance coaching, what what it all what what it entails is that. As a person, I will try and help you help yourself, and we try and fix, you know, what 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 you're lacking in life. You know, you got this little wheel, and some things are good, some things are bad, and we try and fix that. And that's why that's what this gym is about. So anybody who, who who needs this, you know, kids get bullied. We have kids come up here who have been bullied, and we come up and be bullied, and we don't make them into be fighters, you know, go out and stand up to these guys. But we do, you know, we we try and. Uh, we, we try and enforce of a feeling of you know of, of not just courage but stand up for yourself you know stand up for yourself to bullies and it doesn't have to be in a violent way it's don't be leadership. afraid don't still be afraid leadership. to ask people for help if you're being oh, bullied yeah. by someone ask somebody somebody for help it's not a case of you're a rat the only people that create these things are the rats that bully people do you understand so yeah. but this gym is an open door for people who need Come up, come up and watch my guy aspire if you want. It's open, you know. Come up and get help and have fun. It's 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 just you can. I don't know if you can feel the energy, but we've got a great positive energy here and lovely. And we lo- I love lovely. to help people. I'm not just saying that, you know. Well, that's good. How are you? No. Hey AJ, look, Paki. that's AJ. That's our, our next heavyweight champ of the world. Yeah, he's on the way up. He actually busy. plays basketball for Dublin, believe it or not. Really? Two of them do. Yeah. Well, he doesn't. His other buddy does. He actually play for the Dublin basketball team. Yeah, wow. so he's basketball players and everything. Yeah, how's it going? Hey there, Packy, look, thanks very much. I can't believe you. I'm blown away by your humility, your humanity, your sound, decent best. Just well, like meeting. I mother. try my best. I grew up in the nineties. Follow me yourself and your brother Steve. Yeah. And I got then to meet your brother Michael there. We had yes. a fascinating, deep, meaningful conversation. Yes. I'd love to get him on the podcast. He's an interesting yes. guy. Very interesting guy. And if I can hear, look, my background is sports science and health and fitness. Yes. If I can donate any of my time to your club, you need to dig out and yes. look to help any of your class Absolutely. or whatever. Yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. And uh, as I say, anytime you want to drop by with the lads, you want to interview the lads, like, grab them. Don't, don't, you got to be cheeky sometimes. Say, while I'm here, can I grab, can I chat to you? You know, you can do all them things if you want. Packy, you're a decent human right. being. I love it. Nice to meet you. Thanks a lot, brother. You're a legend. Oh, 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 oh,